Our readings this morning open with a message from that most grumpy of prophets, and that is saying something, Amos. We definitely have a clear sense from him about what was going on amongst the ancient Israelites, that beautiful phrase about making the ephta, which is a measure of weight, small, and the shekel, which is a measure of currency, great. And you think, wow, Amos talks. We should probably listen, right? And then we have Paul, or ostensibly Paul, writing to a young leader of the early church, reminding him and the community he serves to pray for those who are in authority something that I imagine that early community found a little bit icky to contemplate. We don't like messing with politicians, after all. They get our hands dirty. And then we have this gospel from Jesus. What I will start by telling you today is that the reading of this text is only the beginning of the gospel. The rest of the gospel is in your reaction to it. And if you find Jesus' teaching confusing, perplexing, even vexing, you are in good company. What does Jesus mean by talking about children of the light? Probably means us being shrewd or learning shrewdness. I don't know about you, and don't misunderstand me, I don't claim to be a child of the light, but I do, when it comes to relationship, like to keep things very direct and straightforward. And so you can imagine me over the past several weeks trying in a very direct way to prevail upon my four, almost five-year-old daughter to clean up her things, particularly in the living room. So, having failed at the direct approach quite miserably, I decided to take a leaf out of the page of parenting book of one of our more shrewd parents in this congregation, and I decided to, to use a shrewd approach with her. So, on Friday, I said to her, Mari, I said, you have 20 minutes to clear up your toys in the living room. After that time, I am going to sweep the living room and vacuum, and anything that is on the floor will be put into a bag and put into the garage. Well, my daughter, who is more shrewd than I am, immediately said, does that mean it's going to be thrown out? Will I have access to the toys in the garage if they are there? Will I be able to sort through them? And all the while, you could see the wheels turning further back in her brain going, does he really mean this? Is this just a bunch of parental hot air I'm getting? Well, somehow I managed to convince her that yes, I meant it, and so she started to clear up her toys. I thought, oh good, we're finally getting somewhere. But that only lasted about two minutes, and then she started to play with them, of course, right? So 20 minutes went by, and I, being a stubborn Midwestern soul, started to pick up the toys and put them into a bag. And then we hit the crisis point, right? She got upset. She began to cry. And I felt badly. 
but I pressed on, and she ended up in a despondent heap on the stairs. And I thought, oh, God Almighty, I have been foiled again. Try again, Helmer. Shortly after I arrived at Church of Our Savior, I was sitting down with members of the Ministerial Alliance here in town, or the, the ecumenical group of clergy, you might say, and we were talking about how we have a very small sliver of the population actively attending our congregations and actively engaged in the walk of the Christian faith. And I will never forget it, one of my colleagues saying, he'd been here for decades, we have no moral authority in this town. We have no moral authority in this town. And I thought, wow, what have I gotten myself into, really? The funny thing was, just two weeks ago, I was sitting up at the Marin Civic Center with a bunch of program leaders from around the county, civic leaders, clergy, members of the Marin Organizing Committee, the county administrator, hired staff, and for the first time ever, we were having a horizontal conversation about collaborating to deal with the homeless problem in the county, to help people get off the streets, and to develop effective collaborative strategies to do that between the government, between not-for-profits, and between religious institutions. And I thought, you know, in nine years, that's a long way to come from having no moral authority in this town. A long way to come. How on earth did we get there? And what does Jesus mean about learning to be shrewd and to make friends by means of our dishonest whatever? Most of you know the saying, right? Money is the root of all evil, right? How many of you have heard that? How many of you believe it's scriptural? Nobody wants to admit it because they know what's coming next, right? It isn't scripture. It isn't scripture. It's a corruption of scripture. The actual text, which also incidentally comes from 1 Timothy, is the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Why did we corrupt that text? Going back to the early days of the Christian church, the desert fathers and mothers rushed out into the desert to get away from society and its corrupting influences. They didn't want to be soiled anymore by having to deal with money or property. They wanted a pure life with God. Unfortunately for them, society followed them for guidance, and even if they did get away from it completely, they discovered a society within. And they had to learn to wrestle with their desires and their passions and their thoughts. 
and they had to learn how to be shrewd with themselves. The impulse to have a purified church and society has been with us from the very beginning. In the Middle Ages, young novices were known to rush to the monastery, rush to the monastery to get away from the corrupting influence of their families and their society. And unfortunately, they got to the monastery and discovered that much ink had already been spilled about how monks and nuns were to comport themselves in community and deal with things like money and memoratio, which is Latin for gossip, and doing the dishes. And that's even before they got to things like prayer. In the late Renaissance, of course, we went through the Reformation period, and the Puritans tried to establish the perfect society in Geneva. Unfortunately, it never quite took root. Calvin had to give up on that enterprise. Henry VIII tried a different approach, a more Catholic approach in England, and we all know how pure that was. And then, of course, most of us in high school read the story about Hester Prynne. Do you remember her? Nathaniel Hawthorne's takedown of American Puritanism. And as a matter of fact, you can probably sum up American history in one sentence by describing it as a wasteland of failed utopias, right? What is Jesus on about? Maybe Jesus doesn't want our purity. He's less interested in our purity. He wants something else out of us. Maybe Jesus is less interested in our piety. As Anglicans, we have a hard time with that. We like our good, well-ordered, organized, purified liturgies. Maybe Jesus is interested in something else. What is he calling us to when he says, on the one hand, Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, and you cannot serve God and money. What he really is asking us to do is what Amos was asking those ancient Israelites to do, and that is to get their horses and carts back in the right order. Put God and right relationship first and press everything else, dishonest, difficult, messy, soiled, everything, into service for that good relationship. That's what the shrewd manager does in Jesus' parable today. He reaches out, even by dishonest means, to build a bridge for himself with his neighbors. He recognizes the community has to come first, and his boss commends him for it. Maybe we, as children of the light, sometimes get confused about what our duty is. We'd rather not talk about money or politics. We'd rather stay in our pure lives 
But of course, Jesus, I think with a bit of a wry smile, knows that our lives are anything but pure. We are being invited to dust it up a little bit, to get out there, to press into service everything that we have, even with its taint of dishonesty and injustice, press it into service for God and God's dream for the world. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take risks to do that? Am I? Are we willing to get our hands dirty a little bit and be about the business of engaging with a world that is messy and deals in such things as finances and power? I think that's Jesus' call to us. Listen closely and learn to be shrewd. So I broke out the sweeper, and I began sweeping the floor. Then I got out the vacuum cleaner to vacuum the carpet, and as I did that and was vacuuming, I caught out of the glimpse of my eye a bag emerge from the garage and go up the stairs. And about an hour later, my daughter greeted me with a smile and said, I put all my toys away. And I thought, wow. At last, Daddy scores a point. Be shrewd. Be in relationship. Be scrappy, even. That is God's calling to each of us. We are not called to be pure. We are called to be holy. We remember that each Sunday as we approach the altar with our hands outstretched and we bring hearts that are messy and sometimes soiled and sometimes unjust. And we accept Christ because, of course, what we say in our faith is that God got God's hands dirty with us and came among us to save us and never leave us alone. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorNV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-N-V for Mill Valley, dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace.
we hope to greet you in person very soon.